The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Well, hey there. Welcome to the Como Sports End Zone. I'm Nico Tamari. We're so glad to have you back here. And this is just a fun time of year to talk Seahawks. Okay, I'm not crazy. I promise. I just think that when you get to the regular season, it just becomes something like it's obviously exciting. It's obviously a great time. But it becomes kind of rinse, wash, repeat. And what I mean by that is, okay, let's break down the last game. Let's take a look at the next game. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a lot of fun. But I think right now is when you have all that intrigue, you have all that wonder about what could be. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities here when you look at it that way. Think about this time last year when the Seahawks were this team that everybody was writing off, and I know we always love to say that on this podcast, and Geno still isn't writing it back, and he's not because he's really taking control and command of this team. But think about that for a minute. Twelve months ago, last summer, this time, nobody outside of Seattle, I'll put it to you that way, had any idea how good this team was going to be. And we all know how that turned out, right? And I think it goes to show you that there's just so much to look at right now, but nobody really knows what's going to happen. Now we can take a look at things and we can really judge, okay, I think this is what's going to happen with this team, or I think that's what's going to happen. But nobody really knows until September. So what I'm trying to say is it adds to the mystique, it adds to the intrigue, if somebody said that Geno Smith and was going to throw for 4,200 yards last June, you would have gotten laughed at again outside Seattle. I'm not saying that everybody in Seattle thought this team was going to be great. Of course they didn't, um, but some did. And I think that those people were proven right. For me, I'm just going to go back on this because I think it's important to mention. I think that anytime you're doing a show like this, anytime you're really taking a look at making a prediction and things like that, you have to own up to what you did. But I wasn't too far off. I said all last preseason, I thought they were going to win seven to nine games. Now, I would not go as far as committing to them making a playoff berth, and we saw how close that was. I am so happy I was wrong on that part. But, you know, it's just one of those things that I think that it, you know, nobody outside Seattle had that expectation. In fact, I'll be honest, I'll be honest with you. The Seahawks' win total in Vegas was five and a half. Five and a half, and I told everybody I knew, you know, my brother's one of those people that loves to do those online gambling things. He doesn't live in Washington, so he's able to do that on mobile betting stuff. Um, and I was like, five and a half wins, that's a lock. And, and, and it clearly was. I mean, they won four games in a row in October of last year, and then they beat some good teams in that stretch, including the Chargers and Giants. And so that that was really impressive to me. Um, but again, I... I I tend to be an optimist, and even I was saying seven to nine wins, which was right, nine and eight, but I wouldn't go as far as saying the playoffs. And I don't know if that was outside pressure, but if it was, I think it's it's something that weighs in everybody's head. But again, who last June thought the Seahawks were going to be that good and that Russell Wilson was going to be that bad? I think a lot of us probably laid in between 
Um, like you know, I didn't like I said. I thought the Hawks would have seven to nine wins. I did not think that Russell Wilson would be that bad, but I didn't think he was going to be as good as again everybody outside Seattle did because so many people in Seattle kind of saw that way that stuff was trending. And listen, wish Russell Wilson the best. No ill will. He did a lot of great things in a Seahawks uniform. I do think he'll be better this year with a you know a really good coach in Sean Payton as opposed to Nathaniel Hackett. Um who I, I did cover earlier in my career when he was a college offensive coordinator. I think he's a brilliant offensive mind. I just don't think that he was ready for that spot, that situation, um, being the, the guy running that tight ship, all that sort of stuff. So as you kind of look at what that was last season, the point I'm trying to make is this is a really fun time. What, what's fun about it is, is we can talk about things right now, and then we can circle back in about six, seven months, probably seven months would be mid-January, and and we can say, okay, this is where we hit, this is where we were wrong, um, and go from there. So I'll say it right now, I think the Seahawks are a playoff team. What's really been interesting to me is minds that are much more apt to make a football prediction than me. I, I Listen, I cover a lot of games, I've been covering them for a long time, I like making my personal judgments based on feel. When I'm looking at a game, I'm going to leave the X's and O's to the coaches and players. Good friend of mine, again, another coach I used to cover, uh, Syracuse University head football coach Dino Baber, has always said to me, you know, it's uh, chess to checkers when you're talking real football stuff. When you're Now, I'm not saying that goes for every analyst in the Seattle area. You know, you're blessed to have a lot of really great former players doing their thing. Think about a guy like Steve Rabel on the call, right? He's, you know, he played. (laughs) He was a wide receiver with Steve Largen out there, right? So, but I think a lot of the analyst stuff, when when you really look at it, it can be like, well, okay, what is that source? But what you can do, what I'm able to do, and it's been a pretty high success rate, is you can just by covering so many games and by being in that situation, you're able to kind of know how a game's going to go. Or you can kind of know when most of the media, for lack of a better term, I just hate when people lump media into one thing, when so many pundits or analysts, maybe the better way to put it, all say the same thing. And you can really look at it. You know, I'll look at a national football analyst, especially one that maybe didn't play. And I understand they have a hard job. They're trying to break down 32 teams. But I'll look at that and say, okay, you're a human. And you can do a lot of research. You can be somebody that really puts your heart and soul into this thing. But very few people are as meticulous as, say, like a Mel Kuyper is with draft stuff or a Todd McShay. Those guys, it's just crazy. So inevitably, you're not going to know that national person, the Seattle Seahawks as well, as somebody like me or the other local TV stations and certainly the beat writers here in town, which we have some great ones for the Seahawks, you know, the Greg Bells, the Bob Condotas, Michael Sean Dugar is a personal favorite of mine. Um, No national person is going to know the team as well as those guys. And I'm not saying those guys, what they say is gospel when it comes to predictions, because predictions are tough to do, right? But I think that we just have a better beat on things. And so when I saw last year, the national media just poured on the Hawks, you know, saying that they're going to win like two or three games and saying that Russell's going to run over him in week one. 
here's the deal with that. Like, that week one, we all knew the Hawks were going to bring it. We all knew how much that game meant to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. And so while everybody else was just looking at it on paper, and that's the point here, these games are not played on paper. These games are not, well, Russell is supposed to be still a great quarterback, and Denver's got a supposedly better supporting cast, so they're going to roll over the poor Seahawks led by that guy, Geno Smith, who hasn't started in eight years. No, 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 no. That's not how this goes. We were there watching a training camp every year. We knew how much this meant. Now, we didn't know how good they'd be all season, even if we had our predictions. But we knew that was going to be a close game. I think I predicted a Seahawks, I think it was a three-point win or something like that. I think I said like 21-17. I'd have to go back. But the point is, most people who were around that team knew it was going to be close. And most people who write about every team in the NFL that didn't spend any time in Seattle during those hot summer, and it was hot last summer, holy cow. So we were toiling in that heat watching this team. They were just kind of looking at this saying, well, you know, the Hawks aren't supposed to be that good this year. But we were seeing Kenneth Walker really pop in training camp. And sometimes I hate that word, pop. What does it really mean? Well, you can start to see it in training camp. Maybe not during the mandatory mini camp, but we're going to get a breakdown on that from a really special guest shortly. But I think that it's really important that we look at this from the standpoint of, you know, you can get a good feel about things. And that's how I make some of these predictions. And that's how I'm going to make some of these uh, observations I've had so far. Because, you know, you observe a guy like Kenneth Walker looking good in training camp last year. You look at a guy like Tariq Woolen, he already kind of had that Richard Sherman-esque stuff, like the height, the speed, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, did we foresee him being Rookie of the Year status? Not many did. Probably not. But we were watching him go one-on-one with the great DK Metcalf and saying, okay, this guy's got something. Nobody outside Seattle was doing that. And so that's why I think it's important when you all consuming this content, whether it's here locally, whether it's nationally in Seattle, outside Seattle, that you really consider the source and how really close you know, that that stuff can be, that an analysis and observation can be. And so that's why I say I make my predictions based on feel. Okay, I'm watching this team really close. I'm watching almost every practice. I'm there and I'm listening to every press conference and ask, asking, just like, again, like the other folks here in town. And that's different than anybody outside. But I think it comes with the experience. I mean, it's the same way. That's the way I pick my March Madness bracket. Now, I'm not saying I win every bracket pool, but you can kind of tell, okay, like, you know, that 12 seed might be the sexy pick. Everybody's picking up set the five, but I don't know that I'm jumping on that. Or, you know what? This team always, you know, seems to show up in the tournament. Or, you know, there's just a lot of different ways it can go. And so I'm not going to talk about, you know, the formations and the, I mean, sometimes, of course. But I'm going to look at what I'm observing and what kind of team I see and how good they can really be. And so I want to circle back to some of the football minds that are greater than me. That was the initial thought here. Um, I was able to talk to Lewis Riddick at ESPN. That was leading up to the draft. And my special guest I alluded to a moment ago was the great K.J. Wright. Um, those are the guys I'm going to you know, trust to give me my football X's and O's. You know, a guy like KJ, you'll, you'll hear this in just a minute, you know, saying he'd like to see a little bit more from the defense. Okay, I'm going to take stock in that. But it's, you know, it's also something that you and I saw, right? I mean, there were some teams like the New Orleans Saints and Las Vegas Raiders last year that just ran all over the Hawks, and it was tough to watch. 
this Seahawks team could have probably been a couple wins better if you just look at those two games. Games they were in, they went to overtime with the, the Raiders, and, and really it was a shootout with the Saints. This, game, this team probably could have won a couple more games with a more stout defensive front. Did they address that the way that maybe some fans would? Probably not. But who are we to second guess after the draft that Pete and John had in 2022? But I think that's where, where that logic comes from. Like, right? We haven't seen the, the same idea of, okay, we know that third wide receiver spot has just been a thorn in this team's side. DK and Tyler are fan freaking tastic. But we know the Hawks have always wanted that third spot filled. And you know what? They used the first round pick on Jackson Smith and Jigba. And so, okay, that's an, a need that we've seen. It's a need that, you know, maybe D. Eskridge still has a chance there, but he's just been so hurt since he was picked in 2021. Um, you know, a guy like Marquise Goodwin had some flashes of, you know, some really cool stuff in the 2022 season. But by ja- drafting Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, you really addressed that spot. And you didn't see that same sort of deal when it came to the D-line. Maybe they know something we don't. You know, and certainly they was alluded to it when it came to Jalen Carter, who eventually fell to Philadelphia. But I think that, you know, that's probably the one concern with this team. And so what can you really, I guess, take away from it when it comes to mandatory minicamp and, and what we're watching there? You know, they're basically in shells. They're in shorts and their jerseys. They're not tackling, obviously. Well, you can start to look at, okay, here's what these guys are doing and how hard they're working and how much the rookies are kind of picking up on stuff. But you can also see the names out there and wonder how this team's going to, you know, kind of uh, go from there, you know? So I think that I'm going to let the jury be out on that one a little bit and see how that goes. Now I'm not going to sit here right now and give you a prediction on a season because that's going to come later. That's going to come in training camp. And when we we revisit all this and back to the original point of, you know, how many of us actually saw, <laughs> you know, uh, Kenneth Walker going for over 1,000 yards, Tariq Woolen picking off six passes, um, all these rookies, rookies doing some incredible things for the Seahawks. I mean, I think that you knew Charles Cross was going to start, but we didn't know Abe Lucas was going to start all 17, well, 18 games, really, if you look. I mean, he didn't start all the games. There were some injuries there. But, you know... My point is that um, it's just impossible to predict how those things are going to go in mandatory minicamp. Now, there's stories that come out of this stuff. Um, but Julian Love coming over from the Giants, his grandmother's brother, you know, uh, owning a restaurant in Seattle. <laughs> like, come on. It's so cool, that kind of stuff. Or if you go out east, the Buffalo Bills with the drama of Stefan Diggs not showing up to mandatory minicamp the first day. He came back for the second day. There's always going to be those kinds of stories. But right now you're kind of looking at how this thing goes. And so what what I see is a Geno Smith that's another year into this thing and he is just in total control. Talk about <laughs> the difference a year makes because this certain stage in Seahawks time last year, you know, a lot of people out there, my, I'll be honest with you, myself included, thought that Drew Locke was going to start. And that wasn't, for me anyway, a knock on Geno. It was more along the lines of Drew, you know, you trade this guy was a part of the Russell trade. And and we knew that Pete and John had to be high on him for that to happen. And so that was the only logic I was going on. But I'll tell you, 
you know, anybody, you know, Gino said it best. He's like, well, you wouldn't see me throw if you didn't think I could do what he could do. And, and, and he proved that. And so what I'm seeing Gino now do, okay, this, there's no question this is his team, right? He is the guy in the huddle. Even DK Metcalf, you know, mentioned that last year he wanted to be more of a leader and he tried to lead more by being a vocal leader. And that's just not his style. He can be vocal. We've seen that during games. But the, the, the vocal leadership style wasn't his forte. He didn't like it. Well, Gino's got that role now. And DK can do what he does best, which is lead by example as far as, I mean, this guy is just one of the hardest workers out there. It is a pleasure to watch. Even this mandatory minicamp and the shells, as they call it, the shorts in there, and like um, the just the jerseys. You know, he is out there and just putting on a show, even when it is kind of like this limited thing, right? So I think it's important that you can you you understand where we are in this stage and understand what we can take from it. And Geno Smith's leadership ability, yeah, that's what I can take from him. I mean, this guy is he signed a huge contract. $35 million a year over three years. This is his team. The Hawks have made that investment. He doesn't have to be doing what he's doing. What I mean by that is he's the first one out there, the last one to leave. Uh, this guy is is working with any of, the, especially the younger players, to help him along. And, and what's really special to me about that quarterback dynamic is seeing him and Drew Locke out there. That's really cool. I mean, Drew came back. He knew that Geno was the guy. There's probably teams, you know, Look, you look at a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. I mean, he could have competed out there. There's other teams as well. But he wanted to stay in Seattle. I mean, part of that is a testament to the Pete Carroll culture, the always compete, how beautiful it is here in Seattle. <laughs> right? Come on. You see that VMAC? You've been to VMAC? If you've been to VMAC, it's right on Lake Washington. It's, it's so gorgeous. They have that canoeing out there with the rookie. I mean, how cool that your facility is right on this beautiful lake with Mount Rainier in the background. Come on. The cafeteria for the Seahawks just overlooks that beautiful lake. It's so cool. So cool. You know, but it's all, this guy came back knowing he would be a backup. And he prepares every day like he's a starter. But because he wanted to remain a part of this culture. And to me, that's really special. I, I think that's just a really cool thing. And I think that speaks volume about what Pete Carroll and John Schneider have built there. And now Gino's leading that culture. He's vocal. He's telling guys where they need to be. Um, gosh, I just, when he takes the podium, and he'll do it every week during the regular season, but it's only a, bit, a little bit here and there during these OTAs, minicamp time. It's just how it goes. Um, he is just a pleasure to talk to. He levels with you. He, he tells you exactly how he's doing. I mean... He's the guy that's like, okay, I know I'm the starter. Like, I'm the unquestioned starter of this team. But I'm going to work like I'm the third stringer and need to work my way up. You know, I, I think that's an approach a lot of us can take in our regular jobs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we'd all be so much better. Those are the things you can kind of watch during mandatory minicamp. You, you're not going to, based on something you saw in mandatory minicamp, going to be like, you know what? I thought this team was going to win eight games. I think they're going to win 12 now. No. Although, for the record, I'm going to say 10 to 11 wins this year. <laughs> As I say, no prediction. Now, I may change that in training camp. But if you were to, like, force me into it right this second, that's what I'd say. But I need to say, admittedly, I need to see more of this team and some of those question marks out there. But realistically, what you're learning right now are those intangibles about this team. And you're seeing a few things here and there. And you're seeing how people adjust. How do they prepare when 
the Rams aren't waiting for you on Sunday like they will be that first game in September. How do you prepare when there's three months to go until there's an actual NFL snap taken? That's what's key here. Okay? And so that's what you take from this time. You watch how this guy prepares. You watch how that guy leads, Gino, DK, those guys. You watch how guys coming off injury are looking so far. Jamal Adams has a ways to go, right? But the thought is he'll hopefully be ready by the start of training camp. It's just good to see him there. How does Bobby Wagner change the dynamic? Change the dynamic. He was here for so long. But that one year he was gone, right? Guys like Gino and DK to step up. Now, you know, Bobby's back. He's a natural leader. Now, certainly he's on the defensive side. Um, You know, things like that. How does this look? Is Jordan Brooks going to come back? Right? Like, we know he had that late, devastating injury. Those are the little things you watch for right now. And so we can look at it. Um... We can trust those guys who were in the trenches and played the game, and we can, you know, say, you know, like when Lewis Riddick told me in April, he thinks the Seahawks will win or at least contend to win the NFC West. I'm that perks my ears up, because that's one of those national analysts. Now, listen, he's a lot different than a national analyst that didn't play, which was my target of my earlier point. A guy like Lewis was out there; he was a dude. Okay, and so when he's saying that. It carries a lot of weight to me. Even if it is right now, the logic is more about outside the Seahawks facility, how the Niners are figuring out that quarterback thing. Obviously, they would be the main contender with the Seahawks there, and they're the defending champion of the division and knock the Seahawks out of the playoffs. Arizona appears to be going through some kind of transition. Um, a lot of people seem to think the Rams' window has closed or is closing. You know, Jalen Ramsey gone, but... I'd like the point that, uh, you know, he's getting up there in age, but a healthy Matthew, Sta- Matthew Stafford makes that team a contender. But what a difference 12 months makes. Now you have team, you know, people that are saying Seahawks are going to contend to win the NFC West. Last year it was contend to win four games maybe. <laughs> you know, so I think this is an exciting time. I think you take with it from what you can get. And I think it's a, it's going to be a fun year. With that, I do want to bring out my special guest, KJ Wright and I. Had a great time talking about all things Hawks. KJ is a great guy. He and I first met. Well, we're going to tell you that story, but um, I just want to circle back to that conversation KJ Wright and I had earlier on. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Well, we're here with KJ Wright, and I have to tell everybody, KJ, how we met. Yeah. Uh, Certainly, I had followed you from afar for years, like so many Seahawks fans did. But we met on the soccer pitch Mm -hmm. in the Sounders media game. We won't say (laughs) how We won't say how many goals I had, right? Tell them how many I had, though. How many was it? I had two. You had two? And a a missed PK, so should have been three, but I get three this year. But I'm undefeated in Sounders (laughs) Media Cup because of KJ Wright. Yes, sir. It was fun. I'll definitely be back out there again. Myself, Jermaine Curse is coming with me this year, so I'm bringing some ammo. All right, well, as long as I'm on your team, we're good with that. Hey, we appreciate hanging out with us here at Como. Yes, Beautiful day in Seattle, yes, right? Thank you for having me. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, where it's uh, 
it's great to talk with you and everybody loves talking about the playing days and things like that but I want to talk for a minute here just about how life has been after the NFL playing days we've seen you all over the NFL mm -hmm. draft good morning football we've been seeing you doing some great things what are you up to these days I've been busy a little bit too busy I just launched my foundation last week the right way foundation I'm so passionate we're bringing a financial literacy curriculum to the boys and girls club here in Seattle Washington I'm going to invest in, in youth sports get these kids out the house off their iPads the more kids that are playing sports, the better. So I'm doing that, just acquired my first real estate property for the first time, and so that's a lot of work. And so I'm doing my media stuff, doing some real estate, and launching my foundation is a really big thing for me. In other words, you got nothing going on. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. I'm eating potato chips. Well, we're, I love that. Well, kudos on the, on the charity as Thank well, you. and certainly anything we can do to help with that. Uh, what is it, what, how was that transition? It seems like you've done it pretty seamlessly. No, 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 no. Not let's, at all. No, let's, let's it was, it was. It had some challenges. It okay. had some challenges. I know I had about four or five moments where I'm like, man, I miss the game. I miss my teammates. And the hardest part is just not being in the locker room with your guys. Just on a day-to-day -day basis, I had my friends since middle school. I just had access to them, just play around the locker room, go out there, play sports. And all of a sudden, it just stops and you go cold turkey. And so I didn't miss playing on Sundays and tackling people. But the day-to-day -day with my brothers, that's something that I definitely miss quite often. Yeah, I think a lot of fans maybe uh, don't realize how difficult that is. Yeah. Um, do you think that maybe the way you've done it, and I know you just said it wasn't seamlessly, but certainly you've gotten active in a lot of different things. Yeah. Do you think that can maybe help some other guys out there? Yes, totally. I, I do believe that while I was playing, I, I found out what am I passionate about? What else do I love? I love kids. I love doing real estate. I love just going out there coaching, not coaching in the NFL, but just coaching high school kids here and there. Just keep myself busy. I do believe that the worst thing you can do is just get away from the game, not watch football, just get away from your teammates. I like to stay close to football, stay to my brothers. So I do believe that definitely helped me with the transition. And like I said, the Seahawks were gracious. Anytime I want to go to the building, they let me in there, come hang out, come, come watch film, come to practice. And so they definitely helped in my transition as well. How cool is it that all that hard work or all those years has maybe opened that opportunity? You can help these kids. You can. Be at VMAC anytime yeah. and be with those guys again. How cool is that part of it? It's, it's a blessing. It's such a blessing. I just look at what I did in these 10 years. Like It was so much bigger than football. It was so much bigger than just getting tackles and interceptions. I was a real staple in this community, just investing in these youth, uh, showed the Seahawks how much of an asset I am to this organization, for them to help me out with my foundation, for them to help me out if I do need a job. I just can't thank them enough. And so for these 10 years, that one-day contract that I signed was big, big time. And so I just love this city so much. And so watching that team last year, uh, a, a little bit different that you weren't with them every day, but how fun was it to see them play the way they did? I think people in Seattle knew it was possible, but you were on those national shows where they didn't no. think it was. How cool was it to see all that? No one in the country believed in them except for me. I, I was the it. only one that said this team was going to make the playoffs and I definitely nailed it. And I'm just so happy for Geno Smith. You just watched what he did with his, with his career. Was a backup for so long, you know, wrote the bench and he came in and he took full advantage of his opportunity guy earned himself a big time contract and he has a lot of weapons right now to even just continue his phenomenal career that he had last year and so I'm so happy for these guys I need the defense to take it up another notch we need to stop this run game Bobby is back in the building Jamal Adams to come back healthy Jordan Brooks to come back healthy and so 
I, I do believe it's going to be a fun season this year. And that was really bold, but in a great way that you said playoffs. Like I was saying seven to nine wins, but I couldn't I couldn't say playoffs. <laughs> and not that I didn't believe, but you didn't yeah. want to sound crazy to outside people. And I think I needed to be more courageous on that front. Well, they were, I, you know. Well, I know Coach Carroll very well, and yeah. I know that he had a master plan to get these guys going. He just has a unique ability to just bring out the best in these guys. You just saw what he did with Geno Smith. You saw what he did with a young rookie in Kenneth Walker. He drafted well, they scouted well, and so I knew that coming to this season, they had that chip on their shoulder. He heard the noise. He can't get it done. He's too old. His philosophy won't work, and he's definitely a competitive, he's a, he's a competitive young man, and so I love what he did last year. And so for these guys to take another step. He got to the playoffs last year, needed some help from the Lions, now I need to take full advantage. When it's NFC West, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm always struck by, and I obviously don't have that expertise, like being with those guys like you do. I'm just struck by how Gino has just taken that leadership role, and I just love listening to him. Yeah. Like, it almost motivates me, and I'm not putting bads on. Yeah. Nobody would ever want that. <laughs> well, what, have, what have you seen in that regard? Gino, first of all, when I was there with him, he prepared like a starter. He came in the building early. He left late. I faced him during a two-minute drill. The guy was just preparing like he was a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's how you have to operate when you don't have your opportunity. When you are riding the bench, you still have to play. Like one day, my time is going to come. Then when he took full advantage, he competed against Drew Locke during training camp, and he earned himself a starting spot. And so he's just getting started. He did a great one year. Now it's time for him to keep building, keep building. He has tons of weapons. You got a phenomenal offensive line. Get Jackson Smith and Jigba. DK Tyler, I mean, the sky's the limit for this offense, and I definitely believe that we are the number one offense in this division. Off the top here, do you have a favorite, whether it's Gino hardworking, Pete Carroll hardworking, a favorite story in that regard? Oh, you put me on the spot with this one. I just know I, when you're in the building, you just see guys. I watch everything. And I watch, you know, what time is this guy coming in? What time is this guy leaving the building? As soon as practice ends, some guys have their clothes on ready to leave the building. Geno Smith is not that guy. Coach Carroll for sure is not that guy. He doesn't last 15 years if he's not just dialed into the details, surrounding us around phenomenal coaching, keeping his philosophy alive. And so I just watch these guys on, on a consistent basis. That's the name of the game. How consistent can you be in your career? These guys have done a phenomenal job. So right now, I think fans have seen some of the workouts that are going on lately. First of all, I think a lot of fans probably don't know what OTA stands for. And I think I think it's organized team activities. I, that's what I was told. That's it. Um, <laughs> and I think some fans, okay, we have min mandatory mini camps. Some fans are like, well, what does that mean? So for a player, this point in the season, what was your mindset? What's actually going on at VMAC right now? I love this time of the year. It's laid back, it's easy, but right now it's where you lay down a proper foundation. You're taking care of your body. You're learning the playbook. You're engaging with the fellas. You're out there practicing at a, at a slower tempo. It's not training camp, it's not game speed tempo, but a slower tempo, just getting the basics and the fundamentals down. And I truly believe that. They say it's not mandatory, but I do believe that it's in everyone's best interest if you are here at OTAs, just building that camaraderie with your teammates. And so they have different types of phases, and they have three days of mini camp where it's three days of practice. And so this is one of my most favorite times of the year. And it was one of our favorite things was seeing Bobby back out there for all that. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Seeing him back where he should be, right? He's a legend, man. I do believe that when it's all said and done, no one will ever the number, wear the number 54 jersey. Just look at what he's doing. 11 years for this franchise. Leads, you know, this team in tackles and sacks and interceptions. You know, he's done everything under the football sun. And so everything that he's doing now is just adding to his resume, adding to his legacy. And for sure, he's going to be a first Valley Hall of Famer. Speaking of jerseys, they're going to make you one of the throwback ones right they better I begged for one my entire career like let's let's I call them the Cortez Kennedy yes let's wear the Cortez Kennedy's with the silver helmets the, the light blue jerseys the gray pants are they are they officially wearing those they're gonna year? wear them for a game this year we don't know when we haven't 
The team is seeing In fact, Bobby said they're fired. He's seen them, but we haven't seen it yet. Just not. Just signed me to a one-day contract. I just want to play one game in those uniforms. I, I, can't, I can't believe they're doing it this year. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Like, it's, like, we were talking about I got an 18-month-old. I haven't bought a lot of jerseys lately, but that might be the one, right? That's the one. If you're going to do one. That's the one. That's the one. Well, so. you know, KJ, I got to ask you here, and it's something like we were excited to have you here, and we're always, anytime you come by, we're super pumped about it. But uh, what does it mean to you that that work here, anywhere you go, fans are, you know, yelling KJ, whatever it might be. I was just in Portland, Oregon, and, and, and people recognized me all the way in Portland. Just to just be a legend, just to be someone that inspired these kids, inspires adults. I know that when they turned on football on Sundays at 1 o'clock, that I was going to give my all to everyone that was watching, everyone that was in that stadium. And they, they definitely appreciated just my efforts that I gave to them. And so I had a heck of a career here, 10 years you know, for this team. One year in Vegas just meant the world to me. And I'm just, I'm just getting started. I'm forever going to be in the city of Seattle, helping any way I can with, my, with, the, with, the, with the team, with, the, with my teammates. And so it's definitely been a dream come true. Yeah, well, this is pretty awesome to have you here with us. I do have to ask you, this upcoming season, we kind of broke down some of the things. How do you see it shaking out? The NFC West, what do you think? It's way too early. Yes. It's way too early. Let me see my guys in training camp. Let them put on pads. Let's see who's healthy, who's who's clicking at their right time. And so we'll see in preseason, I have a better sense of where we are as a football team. See, this is why. I just want to give a lesson to everybody out there, because I get so mad when I'm seeing like <laughs> early predictions, or especially college bowls no. and things like that. This is why KJ predicted they make the playoffs last year because he's smart about it. Yes. There's a lot of smart animals, but they're not KJ, <laughs> they're right? Not me. They weren't in the trenches like this guy. We're going to have to talk about that when training camp gets going. Yes, sir. Thank KJ, you. right? We appreciate you, my uh, thank friend. Thank you, Nico. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, we certainly appreciate KJ. Um, it was really cool. He came by Como for that chat. Uh, just a genuine good dude. Um, fantastic, as you just heard on the air. Um, I think you're going to be seeing him on a lot of broadcasts. You're definitely going to see him on the Seahawks preseason games. I think that'll be really, really cool to listen to. But I think that it's also um, interesting to, um, you know, understand where he's coming from. You know, he just retired last year, um, signed that one day with the Hawks, and he knows this team better than just about anybody you will ever hear from outside of the current group in VMAC. And so that's certainly really cool to me when you hear certain things that he says about how good this team can be, what he wants to see improved. And certainly we're going to be talking to KJ Moore as time goes on. Um, he's certainly a friend of uh, mine and, and, and Como and um, I think just about anybody who meets him because he's that great of a guy. So really cool um, to hear that from KJ Wright. Well, we hope you enjoyed this chat. Um, keeping it a little short because I don't want to overanalyze minicamp. But I think as the summer goes on and we get closer, we're going to talk more about this. And then the other great things going on around Seattle, All-Star Game coming up soon. That's going to be a lot of fun and so many great things to come. So, hey, thanks for checking out the Como Sports End Zone. I'm Nico Tamari, and we'll see you next time.